0: Hey, welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. We are sponsored by our, the best sponsor, right? Leap Spirits. Leap Spirits. It's awesome. And today we're making a drink. Wags, you are the master of the drink. So what are you making for us today? Today
1: we're making a leaping Leap Greyhound. And so this
0: is a really very basic drink. Of course, we're going to start with our Leap Spirits vodka. One and a half ounces in each drink. And,
1: Dane, this is so easy. You can do this at home, um, either using a tumbler or a highball glass. And then next we're just going to get some grapefruit juice. That's great. Fill that most of the way. Wait, I love this. This is looking really good. Absolutely. And then just a splash of cranberry juice. Ooh.
0: Wisconsin's finest cranberry juice. Absolutely. And then we're going to garnish with some grapefruit slices. Look at this. And we're all set to go. Cheers.
1: Go Paco. Buddy. Go Paco. Every year I know we're going to go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart's start. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't sure with no mercy cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport and I'll even wish you good luck. Only thing I will... Good evening and welcome into Lombardi's Legends podcast. I am Wags and joining me as always is Dane. On the heels of a tough Week 5 collapse, the Packers had a 17 to 3 lead in the first half of yesterday morning's game in London and unfortunately things just went downhill from there. So Dane, we've gotten the benefit of more like 36 hours uh, because of the early game. But um, just right off the top, how you feeling, man? Um, after kind of a tough one, you thought we had that one in the bag, and uh, we'll get into it. But both sides of the ball really just seemed to not be able to put away a, a pesky Giants team, and unfortunately we come back 3-2. Yeah. Um,
0: so I was really enjoying – A little early Sunday morning Packer football for quite some time there. I liked it. I was thinking, oh, I've got the whole day ahead of me and this is fun and all of that. And then um, by the end of it, I was pretty grumpy the remainder of my Sunday. So I'm not really pleased with what we saw, Wags. Obviously, that was a pretty, pretty terrible collapse. It's not what you expect to see from a, a team that's going to go far into the playoffs, right? Uh, it just, it, I'm, I'm still pretty bitter about how this went, and it, it looks a little bit like what we've seen in past years from a Packer team when they, you know, get punched in the mouth. They just kind of lay down. And that's what we saw yet again uh, on on Sunday. A little bit more complicated, I think, than that sim- simplistic approach. But certainly a huge problem that we saw. I'm I'm flabbergasted by what we saw, and maybe one of the worst regular season games meltdowns I can recall in my almost 40 years as a Packer fan. It was just a bad look from start you know from start to finish to the second half, and the team looked like they were packing their bags, heading back to Green Bay after the 30 minute mark, and the. Giants hung around and they ended up winning the football game.
1: Yeah, so then I think that's the thing that's probably frustrating for you and I and most Packer fans is while these things can happen and it's only one game, uh, it did seem to be a recurring theme of, of things happening. And we can get into some of those things and try to piece together where we go from here because it seems like some of the things that we saw are things, as you said, you've been pointing out or I've been pointing out, um, depending on what our buttons are uh, when it comes to uh, uh, bad things that we see sometime from time to time from this Packer team. But um, it is just one game. Uh, yes. I, I, I realize that. So I am trying to, to keep an even keel about that, Dane. But on the other hand, despite the Giants now improving to 4-1, and one, that it did not have the look of an opponent that the Packers should be um, collapsing like that Spot after on. you get off to a good start. It's one thing if you just come out flat and have a bad game. You can lose to anyone in, in <laughs> the NFL on Sunday. But when you come out and you put up a 17-3 to lead and you've got all the momentum, yes. it's uh, a little disheartening, I think, to your point, when you can't continue that momentum and close the deal. Um, so it's, it's just going to be a classic... Is the offense to blame, the defense to blame? How many times have we had that conversation over the last few seasons? Um, Coach LaFleur has obviously done a phenomenal job. So I'm just going to say this right off the top. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that I I think he might need to start taking a a good hard look at, and he's not above criticism, right, Dane? No, he's not. is 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 he able to really light that fire and build that urgency with this team or does he kind of treat this team with a little bit too much of a, a kid glove approach in terms of his coaching style and is that part of the diagnosis and part of the problem at times when we do get punched in the mouth and we're not able to you know fight back and overcome some of that adversity um because this seems like a, 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 it's not a one-off issue. So, so then I, I – this isn't me saying we've got to fire Coach LeFleur, obviously. No. But um, but is that a, a symptom of a coaching issue uh, that they need to address?
0: Well, the concern I – potentially wags and i always look at when guys in the locker room are they falling in line um and you know keeping things in house or not earlier this year you pointed out really aptly early in the year after week one jair alexander was vocally critical uh, of the game plan on the defense and um and after this loss and i understand frustrations are high but um aaron jones you know said you know I bet my money on it that we get in the end zone if you give me or AJ Dillon the ball for two two chances from the two yard line. By the way, I agree with A- Aaron Jones wholeheartedly, but I don't love necessarily that it's out there, right? Um, because um, you know, now we're talking about it, and I wish we weren't talking about it. But I would have, we would have said it. On Monday night, it would have been great, but when Aaron Jones says it, it gives it that extra legs. Um, so is there a bit more of a problem remains to be seen, but it does make me a little bit nervous.
1: Well, Dane, in Aaron Jones, we're talking about a guy that's the yes sir, no sir, doesn't yeah. like the last guy on the roster. Spot on. And, I don't, and I don't think he was trying to throw anybody under the bus. He was just Mm-mm. calling in how he saw it. He was asked a question and he was honest, so I appreciate that. Um Jair was also a little bit, you know, uh, demonstrative after this game, um, not necessarily in the same way or fashion, but
0: Wait, Jair, real quick. Um, did he not say I'll be wor- I'm not too worried about this, but if we lose next week, I will be. I think I'm paraphrasing, but that's roughly where his head's at right now.
1: Well, dame then i asked you and this is why i wanted to start with the coaching is does this team have a little bit of an identity crisis
0: uh i'm looking at my notes identity crisis i've got it circled you and i are on the exact same page tonight and the answer is yes we do offensively defensively but also culturally right now there's an identity crisis with this team and i don't think that's an overreaction i think it's a fact after five weeks
1: yeah so can we lean into that and, and, and expound what your some of your thoughts are on that Dan
0: but I mean offensively is a great uh, example I I don't know what kind of team this is right now when we're not running the ball I think between the two of them they got under them being AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones they got under 20 touches combined that's a problem um this week after the first few weeks of seeing a ton of that pony formation where you've got both Jones and AJ Dillon in the backfield at the same time it pretty much disappeared. So offensively, that goes out the window. Um, the Packers are not throwing the ball down the field successfully at a high clip this year. And in fact, if you go back and look at yesterday's game, most of their success, um, the ball was thrown at or very near the line of scrimmage from Rodgers. So they're not this quick strike aggressive offense um, that, that's landing the way that they had in previous years. So right now, I ask you, Wags, two of our best 11 players on offense are the running backs, but they're getting under 20 touches combined, what kind of offense are we when we're not doing those types of things? So that's where I think the identity crisis is. I don't know what this offense looks like right now.
1: Yeah, so is that a coaching, accountability, combination of both? Uh, Because I, I, I don't quite understand. We talked about after week one. Um, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon don't get the ball enough, game flow, yada, yada. Uh, this is a game we're up pretty much the whole game yeah. until late in the game, and we still don't get the ball enough. And we've got Coach LaFleur up there. I appreciate his candor and being accountable, but why is it every three, four games, Coach LaFleur, you're coming up in front of the podium and saying, I need to get so the true. ball to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon so more true. often. Um, so something's missing in there because I we know that there's going to be lots of run run past checks, so is this the quarterback uh, that's not accountable and and getting them into the right uh, plays, and is he getting the right checks? Um, You know, I've got a lot of confidence in Aaron Rodgers, but there has been some decision-making things that you and I have talked about offline with him, not just this season, but in past seasons, and the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now, it reminds me of Coach McCarthy's last season, Um, to be honest with you. The performance is fine when you look at the box score. It's not vintage, top-level Aaron Rodgers. And he'll be the first to admit, and he has, to his credit, that he yeah. hasn't played his best football. But um, it, it's part of the identity crisis is that Aaron's throwing the ball 39 times yesterday. And he's averaging just over five yards an attempt we're more efficient no. running. We're, we're averaging over five yards an attempt rushing the football. So every single time he has an incomplete pass, we're in a completely less efficient offense than when we're running the ball. So how can we be throwing the ball twice as much uh, as we're running the ball when, when we're, we're far more efficient? That's like a 200% efficiency uh, running versus, versus passing. Because if you think about it, they're not going to run the ball every single play. Obviously, Mm -hmm. but if you do and you're averaging over five yards an attempt, you've you've got to figure you're going to be moving the chains, obviously, more often than not. Versus if you're averaging five yards a throw, um, every incompletion is a a potential opportunity for the defense to get you off the field. Uh, So is that a little bit on the quarterback? Because, Dan, now I'm starting to wonder, did Tom Clements get hired? because they wanted to appease Aaron or because they were afraid they don't have anybody in in the room anymore Mm -hmm. that can hold Aaron Rodgers accountable and that is going to be I think a big question of this offense moving forward because this is not an offense that's built around Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball 40 times and as great of a game as Randall Cobb had yesterday I don't need to see Randall Cobb getting 13 targets every week um that's, that's not a recipe for success as we move forward. A recipe for success is Aaron Rodgers, you know, even when he sees some some pass looks that he likes, knowing that he's got to get the ball to A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones yeah. because that's what this offense is now predicated around. Um, so, so Dane, I asked you that. From that identity crisis issue, where do you go from here? Because Coach LaFour can sit up on the podium and say, I've got to get him the ball more. We can fix that next week. Um, And but then if this creeps back, is this a quarterback that's not on board with what this offense really is built to do?
0: Well, I mean, if that's the case, that's a massive concern, right? We're paying the guy fifty million dollars a year um, uh, to you know make the guys around him better and to make sure this offense runs smoothly. Um, That's the that's the we're not paying Aaron Rodgers. $50 $50 million a year, in my eyes, to throw five touchdowns a game wags. That'd be great, but we're trying to win football games and run the offense. That's the deal. Um, that's the deal I see with this and try to win football games. So um, uh, it, to, it remains to be seen um, where they're at right now, but I don't think I'm being too critical of the guy because, you know, that's the deal. Uh, you, you cash the check. You want to be the face of the franchise, and he, he's been that for 18 years. But when times get rough, we're going to lean on that guy to be a leader in the locker room and to and to run the offense and to try to dig our way out and win some football games. We're a 3-2 and two football team right now. Okay? And, and we can, we can write this ship. We're, we're not even a losing record right now, right? So there's plenty of time to write this ship, but it starts with the identity. It starts with getting everybody on the same page and, and, Really, it does start with running the offense through maybe two of the more talented guys than Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones, yesterday, when the ball in his hands, um, you know he looked absolutely dynamic yet again. And I take it as a slight to Aaron Jones that uh, on third and fourth down on the two-yard line, they didn't give him one crack to try to get that ball in the end zone. I take it as a slight for Aaron Jones based on how good he's been playing football this year. They've got to give him at least one chance to get that rock in the end zone.
1: Yeah, and I mean, when I, in real time, the, the look I saw on third down was that should have been checked to a run. It, it just, uh, A.J. Dillon was lined up. I, I don't think there's any way that he doesn't get a first down at right. minimum, if not a touchdown on that play. Um, Aaron saw something he liked, and, and Aaron Jones said, I'm not the quarterback. I didn't see what the quarterback saw. That was another thing that he quoted. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so that's, they're not on the same page. Clearly, there's some frustration internally and so when guys start voicing things to the media um then that is also on the coaching staff because they're not communicating effectively with the players and getting on the same page it's one thing when you're frustrated after a loss but when this keeps happening um then i I think that's symptomatic of a little bit of a concern i have now can they get on the same page can they communicate can they fix those issues absolutely yeah uh, i mean they have right
0: they've had so much success yeah. over the years this team basically right so that's a thing that i also don't get it feels like this is a hodgepodge of guys when the reality is it's a lot of the same dudes that have played together for a long time And i don't quite understand why there's so much of a disconnect right now
1: yeah so dane i think the other thing that i'm asking about from an urgency standpoint is what does it say when we're, again, doing a rotation with, with your franchise left tackle uh, a week after he played every snap um, in his practicing. Again, I, I don't understand what's going on with the kid gloves with David Bakhtiari, and that's nothing against Yasha Nyman, who we continue to say we love Josh He should Nyman, be starting, too. He should be starting by tackle, yeah. and now and should be moved into guard, is what should be happening right now. That would be the best look up front in my opinion for this football team um so there's no explanation given and it it doesn't make sense to me why it just it's a little thing but when you don't have that sense of urgency to treat every game with the utmost respect and importance if david's out there he should be playing every Mm -hmm. snap period and and that's that's that just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, in the second half, we're, we continue to run into this issue. Um, this is a going, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place here, but burning timeouts uh, mm-hmm. when the clock, play clock's running down and then, you know, taking a sack on the next play <laughs> uh, because we don't have an, a, an outlet or we're not picking up or reading the blitz uh, at the line of scrimmage to take us out of field goal range. Um, how many times does that happen? I just talked about that in our preview last week where we get down, and our number one job is to let's stay in field goal range or get into field goal range when you got into the op- opponent's side of the field and give Mason Crosby a chance to kick a field goal and put three points up on the board. Um, I-, I don't care if there's an incompletion on third down. you still got to give your kicker a chance. Taking a sack like that in that situation is inexcusable. Mm-hmm. Hey, burning a timeout is inexcusable. That would have been uh, a big part of the end of the game management if they would have had all three timeouts. Uh, so it's just that lack of understanding the moment situationally, understanding the moment uh, of the game, um, you know, that that I think is is just bubbling up to the surface because uh, these are the same things we saw in the playoffs last year against the 49ers and the year before and the year before. And uh, so I I don't know what the recurring theme is with that, uh, but um, I think there there needs to be someone to step up and take a little bit more accountability uh, of everyone that's involved. Um, and it's not just one person. It's not just one coach, uh, Coach LaFleur. It's not just the defensive coaching staff. It's everyone mm-hmm. needs to step up and, and have accountability. Um, and that just doesn't seem to be happening at, at times where we backslide into these performances.
0: Wags, we've got some really strong opinions in the chat tonight so we got to give some love to some of these. John, what's up John? Uh, saying that he noticed that Rodgers can't throw downfield his accuracy is off this season. It is off. Um, he missed a couple more I thought yesterday that looked really, um, you know, I thought that there might be an ability or he's putting it a few yards into the sideline and it just it doesn't quite look like Rodgers is quite as crisp downfield either and Wags, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not because he didn't have good protection. I thought protection overall, outside of taking a sack and a couple other things, but largely he had a chance to plant his feet and get the ball out. It just doesn't seem like he's quite clicking so far this year.
1: Yeah, and I, uh, it's hard because you, 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 on the one hand, you give Randall Cobb credit for having a great game, but he's not a d- deep threat downfield. He's a slot, 32-year-old slot receiver. We love why, Randall, but why, it's who he is. Why do we have... Why do we have Christian Watson getting one one target? I know he got hurt, but he had right. one target yesterday, and that was on you know the the end of round. That was technically a pass. Um, that's just it doesn't make any sense to me. That's not an effort to involve someone that can break a defense. Um, Romeo Dobbs only got five targets. Where is he gone in terms of the last two weeks? That chemistry that we saw a few weeks ago, out of necessity, it's like. You know, it's like he's not getting looks out there, and and I don't think it's because he's not getting open.
0: That's the thing.
1: These are the two guys that this offense needs to be relying on. Um, you know, Randall Cobb can have a great game like that once in a while, but week to week, it's not going to work.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, so there doesn't seem to be an urgency to build a chemistry with the guys that can be the dynamic, game-changing threats. For this that this offense needs in the pass game, um, it's we're backsliding. We're reverting back to these old habits. That's that's what's frustrating to me. Dane is is I don't and Lazard, you know, big guy, big target, but he's not a speed guy. I don't think he gets that separation downfield. So uh, you know, I think he would get a lot better look if we were able to take the top off the defense, but it's got to be these young guys that Mm -hmm. we're looking at. And they're not the ones getting the targets for the most Wags, I
0: mean, Matthew says, uh, come on, give these young lads a chance. And John says Rogers hasn't got confidence that the receivers will be where he wants them to be. I mean, we're all seeing the same thing. That's what's remarkable, too. These are not some major hot takes, I don't think. You know, I think that every single person, us included, is seeing a, a lot of the, the same kind of fallbacks with Aaron right now, and we need to be able to lean in and trust these young guys, especially early. I'll tell you what, Wags, we lose a football game because a couple of the young guys make some mistakes, but they're learning moments, and they grow as the season progresses. I'm not going to be happy. But I can live with that. We're losing games because we we lock in on a couple guys that we trust, but we're not developing the young guys for the stretch run. Then that's a problem, right? So now we're not getting better, and we're losing football games. And I just hate to see it because I feel like we're squandering opportunity.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Dane, um, just getting into the game, then you know, and just uh, thinking back to that second half because everything in the first half was fine. I, I, I wasn't crazy about giving up that late touchdown and late in the second quarter, but, you know, these things happen. Um, responded, get a field goal right before the half and take a 10-point lead into the locker room. Uh, so what exactly happened out there then, Dane? Because uh, they come out, have a long drive, put three points up from the board. We respond with a pretty good drive. I know I just talked about we get into field goal range and then take the sack. Take a sack. Um, with, with the, and the timeout. So walk me through at that moment I started to feel pretty uneasy before the sack even happened. They call timeout and I Dan I literally leaned forward in my and cu- my couch and I said, "Okay, well let's see <laughs> what happens here." with this third down play, because um, now that puts, uh, with the timeout, it really puts it under a microscope. Um, So when we got sacked right there, that was really devastating uh, to me because I just felt like, okay, things are swinging here. This didn't seem like we made the right check, and and things, uh, sure enough, um, swung pretty heavily back the Giants' way. Um, So in that
0: situation... Well, that's the thing, Wags. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, is they take the – so they call the timeout, then they take the sack, and then they're out of field goal range. That's brutal. I mean, I've heard the justification over the years of, you know, we burn a timeout uh, because we think we can find something, you know, and it's an important play. I get that. But then to call the timeout, take the sack, and lose points, that was just, you know, that was – three strikes all within one series right there and the Packers never really seemed to bounce back from that to your point like that was that was kind of like a a nail uh through the Green Bay Packers in that moment it's just it's something that just can't happen the breakdown can't happen I thought the ball was held on to a little bit too long as well um and it just everything that could have gone wrong outside of like a pick six or a fumble for a touchdown could have gone wrong in that moment. And that was just an absolutely massive swing for New York. And and the Giants could feel that, right? They got it and they got energized off of that. And we saw them get a little bit more confidence. And then they built and built and built. And then they were playing downhill the remainder of the game, it felt like. And it really did all predicate on that one moment with that with that timeout, sack, no field goal opportunity. And the Giants were able to drive long down the field too and keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hand burn out the the defense, too. You could tell the Packers' defense was just absolutely gassed late in the game, and why wouldn't they be? They were on the field for the majority of the second half, so just played right into the New York Giants' hands, and from there, they were on cruise control, and it just didn't look like the Packers had, you know, you look at prize fighters late in a a match where one guy's got that extra punch in him, the other guy's kind of just throwing, and he's not really landing anything of any significance. That's what it kind of looked like late in the game with the Packers' defense, um, particularly with the pass rush pass rushers had just been out there too damn long and they were just gassed wags they were tired
1: yeah absolutely so i think we've covered pretty much everything uh, mostly on the offensive side of the ball. So, Dane, why don't should we take a quick break? Let's and, do it. Uh, then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about what happened defensively in the second half because uh, I think there are some disappointing things that we want to uh, get to in our therapy here this evening uh, with that as well. Um, but uh, first, let's talk about DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, DraftKings is a official sports betting partner of the NFL, and of course, with NFL action full swing, uh, we're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win, get two hundred dollars in free bets if
0: they do. Wags, check this out! In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Um, it's a lot more fun when the Packers are winning for me. But listen, even when the Packers lose legs, um, you can still be a winner uh, by doing these DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long.
1: Yep. so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, when you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, Dane, then I guess talking about the defense. um, is, Is it fair to say that while i still think the talent's there we might need to recalibrate our expectations right now for what this defense yeah. is because they don't really look like at, through 5 games uh the evidence says they've had some great moments um you know statistically they don't give up a lot of yards they're great on third down uh, for the most part um not as much yesterday but for the most part they've been great on third down but they just don't have the look and feel to me of a top five, top 10 defense. And so I don't know exactly why that is um, or what seems to be wrong because Dane, it seems like there's just too much talent individually on the defensive Mm -hmm. side of the ball for us to continue to have these issues with being able to stop the opposition, um, whether it's through the run or the pass. And quite honestly, the offenses that we faced for most of this season have not really been all that good talent-wise. So um, this these are teams at this defense, if it's they're really as good as we thought they were going to be, um, they should be dominating, and they just frankly haven't been doing that. So talk me through that, and just kind of yesterday, what, what was the uh, thing that was standing out most to you?
0: Well, you know, first things first, I, I thought, despite the fact the Packers only had one sack yesterday... On the books, the, two were negated by penalties in the defensive backfield. Uh, one for Jerron Reed and the other one for Rashawn Gary. I thought the Packers' pass rush, all things considered, um, wasn't really as much of the issue. Um, I think that a lot of it kind of falls, frankly, on the shoulders of the defensive backs uh, for, for the Packers. I thought, um, and to his credit, Razul Douglas, after the game, said, you know, this one's on me. Um, he had three Big time penalties for for, for that, but I, across the board, I didn't think Jair was quite as sharp as we would hope he would normally be. He flew around like a missile, right? And he had some nice, really nice impact plays, but also um, as a whole... The Packers' defense, unless I'm looking at the wrong stat, and I don't think I am, I don't think they had a pass breakup the entire game. So the Giants were able to work underneath, and at the times they didn't work underneath, they found wide receivers pretty wide open uh, throughout the game. I thought Eric Stokes got picked on at times. I thought the Darnell Savage played particularly poorly. I'm just going to say it. I uh, had that extremely bad missed tackle um, with with. um um, with the running back there for New York that you know he just wasn't able to bring down. But also I thought in the past game at times was having challenges as well. And, and Weggs, um, I'll tell you what, I actually was reading a stat on Twitter that I thought was really fascinating and I want to make sure that I give them credit for it. But um, this year, this Packers defense... Um, and, and credit to Mike Renner at Pro Football Focus. The Packers have given up the second fewest passing yards in the NFL, NFL through five weeks, but they've also loved the most yards of any defense on crossing routes by far. They've given up 327 yards out of their 885 passing yards on crossing routes. So what does that tell you? I think this Packers defense, the, the corners, the DBs have the talent, but a lot of times we're playing the soft zone coverage and either there's a miscommunication or the Packer DBs are playing too soft and we see them in this zone coverage playing pretty far back this is a very conservative defense we've seen from coach Patton through five game excuse me i call him coach Patton coach Hi, Barry, Barry. I- that might that, that was well, yeah, a
1: lot like Coach That might say it all. That might say it all right
0: there. We're seeing this very conservative defense when we've got the dogs to play man to man and I think be more attacking and Coach Barry's defense looks like Coach Patton's. Um, so if we're getting gutted by the crossing dots with this amount of athletes on it, I don't think it's the defensive individual defensive players as much as it's scheme. We need to shake things up immediately.
1: Well, Dean, doesn't it look like uh... We're rolling out basically the same game plan every week, every, every week on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it's like, you know, we're playing different players, different offenses, and it's like <laughs> we're doing the same. We're lining up and doing the same thing. It's every so week. vanilla. It's, and I don't understand. Like, we've got Daniel Jones. Uh, on a gimp leg, supposedly he actually looked pretty. Good. He looked pretty good. Um, yeah, you know, to be honest. But uh, Daniel Jones, sixty-three percent career completion percentage, and yesterday he completed almost eighty percent of his passes. Uh, so that tells a, a, a lot. And he's a guy that, over the course of his career, has thrown a lot of uh, interceptions, fumbles. Does not t- tend to respond well under pressure. And it's it's all well and good if you want to try to put pressure on with your base guys and and if you can get home i know that that is going to make a big difference over the course of a four-quarter game but there's Mm got to be some times where you dial up some different look for a guy like daniel jones who's proven that he's not capable of being able to respond well when you do that to him and it twice in the third quarter i got really really frustrated dane when um the Giants are driving down the field. We got them into two third and long situation um, on the Packers side of the field, and they rush three and four guys. I, yes. We got that many guys back in coverage, and uh, you said it. Uh, Daniel Jones is able to sit back there fire find an open receiver how a how are they getting that open when you're dropping you know seven eight guys back <laughs> into coverage uh, underneath in a third and long situation is befuddling. Uh, but then B why are you giving Daniel Jones all day to throw in a third and long situation you got to dial up a little bit of pressure there give him some different look rotate some guys around and it, it just seems for whatever reason coach Barry just doesn't do it um, right. and, and that's that's where I'm losing confidence in the coaching staff a little bit is, um, you know, we faced a Bears team that can't throw the football and they ran all over us. Why mm-hmm. were we allowing them to, to be able to dictate terms? Um, yes. We faced a, a Patriots team. That was missing its top two quarterbacks, and third string quarterback went out there. And I know he looked good yesterday, but I'm just saying third string quarterback, a quarterback, quarterback. There, <laughs> yeah, and is able to move the, the f- up, f- football up and down the field on us. And then yesterday we've got a one dimensional Giants team missing their top four wide receiver uh. and a gimpy quarterback that doesn't respond well to pressure, and we're letting him dictate what we're doing out there. This is what's what's puzzling is. We've got the the horses to be able to dictate terms against these undermanned and flawed offenses, and yet we're sitting back responding to them and what they're doing. And it's just we should be the aggressor uh, with the talent that we have on the defensive side of the ball, forcing the issue, and and it seems like it's been the other way around throughout the season. I shudder to think if we don't make some adjustments when we start facing some actually good offenses in the second half of this schedule.
0: Like the Buffalo Bills in three weeks, I mean it's frightening, right? It's absolutely frightening right now to think about what they can do against this Packers defense, and I, I don't think that's a that's a, a an overstatement at all. Um, so, I mean, I, I do want to touch briefly. We talked offense the first portion of the program, but um, the three and out, something we didn't talk about after the defense had been out there forever on this defense. I want I I, I want to make sure we highlight that because you know this Packers defense was clearly just cooked. And then um, offense for the Packers Rolls out there, this is a team game Even the offense and the defense of the same team They feed off each other And the offense goes out there And and has a very quick three and out I believe it was 26 seconds of game clock Ran off uh, from the offense And then that defense has to go back out there And play, and clearly I mean, I saw Rashawn Gary The most fit guy, I think, on this team Potentially is Rashawn Gary And he looked like he had just run 100 miles Right? That's a problem So So then for him to have to go back out there, I'm not sure what we can expect from a defense when they're getting absolutely no cover from their offense either. And that, you know, things feed into each other. And that was just, uh, when I saw that, I said, I don't think we're winning this football game because I don't think the defense is going to be able to keep up any longer. And unfortunately, I was correct on that. The defense just looked gassed late in the game.
1: Yeah, and it's... it's, it's It's as much a mental thing, I think, as it is a physical one for the defense because you get three plays. And and Coach McFleur in his press conference correctly, pointed out that whether they ran the ball and more time comes off the clock or whether they had three incompletions and 20 seconds uh, of game clock, it's it's the same amount of time for the defense either way. So the real issue there is the fact that they just didn't get a first down or a couple first down or have any sort of drive whatsoever in that situation. Um, Whether there was 26 seconds or uh, a minute and a half of game clock, they needed to get some first downs in that situation, respond, as you have said, to that adversity where they seem to to run into issues. And this this is, again, going back to what we said at the top. This has been a recurring problem. Of the last few seasons is in tight games in the second half. We've had the offense out on the field with an opportunity to respond to adversity and they haven't done it. And we've seen so many of those types of possessions last couple of seasons. And that's, what's really frustrating is then people can get rightly frustrated with the defense. But to me, in that situation, it's the offense that really failed because in the second half, the offense didn't score a single point. And uh, honestly, they should be able to go out there and put up 10 points and a half against the Giants mm-hmm. in, in, in any situation. I think at worst, 10 points is not asking too much. If they do that, they win the game yesterday. So the defense had its own issues. But absolutely, Dane, I think that's, that's a, a real problem is um, if we're not able to get in sync and be ready. Or a key possession at that moment of the game, right. uh, then you know it, it, we're going to continue to run into issues like that. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but uh, was it a little bit, uh, you know, reminiscent when we see Aaron decide to make three deep shots in that situation? Like I, I, I wasn't sure about the play calls either, because um, you know, again, whether they run pass whatever, I would have liked to seen. Something underneath, maybe get the ball to to Aaron Jones, get the ball Mm -hmm. to Robert Tunyon something to make the defense honor the middle of the field uh, or use those sidelines and and get at least a a more manageable down a distance situation as
0: well. Yeah. Just even just something to get cooking and keep guys involved too. Um, You know, it's important, I think to, you're right. I don't care if it's a five yard completion, just to kind of get things flowing a little bit. I can't tell you how many times we've watched games with Aaron Rodgers where that first, completion is the difference between anything going on or not right it's just getting something going with guys and that wasn't the case yesterday it sounds like aaron thought that they had some uh, he liked those plays he thought that he had a guy but end of the day it didn't it didn't work out and you know now you know we're gonna monday morning quarterback a little bit we're frustrated that's the reality right i mean and i i'm gonna say we're not entitled Packer fans, we just have extremely high expectations of this football team this year um, because I think this is a Super Bowl quality team on paper, but right now they just don't look like it and and there's still time, but I want to see this team come together uh, in the locker room and otherwise and, and build and, and grow into what we think they can become.
1: Well, here's the problem, though, Dane. You, you might be right in theory, but what has been the progression and those building blocks from week right. to week? You know, we thought we saw it a couple of weeks ago with the involvement of Romeo Doff, Uh and we didn't expect him to get eight to ten receptions every week. We said that after that game. Right. So that's that's not me criticizing Romeo or the coaching staff for the fact that he didn't come out and start getting eight, eight receptions for 90 yards every week. but. You have to build on that, and instead it's been a regression. And, you know, the first week we went and we came out and we said, okay, we learned we're not going to give A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones less than 20 touches combined. Again, And here we are four weeks later, yeah. they combined for less than 20 touches. So it's just that's, I think, what's frustrating yes. me more than anything. Uh, I don't expect the Packers, even though we predict them to win every weekday. I know they're not going to win every game in the regular right. season. I, I get that. Um, and and sometimes you're even going to lose teams you shouldn't. Uh, I get that, too. But uh, it's just that we don't seem to be building towards anything right now we seem to just be going through the motions and so yeah the talent might be there on paper but I, i don't have any confidence that we are building towards being better at the end of the season i think a lot of people that can be very very glass half full will say it's only week five talk to me in week 12 this will be a different looking team i don't know if they will be I have mm-hmm. to be honest with you, the way that they're progressing right now is not developing the guys that they're going to need to develop and to contribute to have the look of a potential contender in Week Um yeah. So maybe they will. Maybe they'll turn things around and start that process. But to me, I have just not seen anything that tells me that we're, we're building something defensively, an identity. That we can rally around i don't see a identity that we're building offensively that we're we're you know building week to week to week um it seems like we're just all over the place and that we are a cart without a horse and i don't know what the plan is as we yeah. as we move forward um, so i think that's part of the frustration that uh, i think we're sensing is we're just spinning through the motions um, So Dane. With that said, I'm going to stop ranting, and I'm just going to ask you this: um, you know, if 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 there's anything to build on yesterday, I, I think is is the fact that. We got the tight ends more in the, yeah. in the past game. I uh, just want to try to identify something optimistically here because uh, you had been asking about Josiah Deguara. So we see Mercedes Lewis gets a touchdown. Um, we see Jos- Josiah Deguara come up with a couple of nice catches in the second yes. quarter. I was really and, pleased to see that. You know, those were the types of plays that were the exact types of things that were within the rhythm of the offense and were really, you know, can, can spur a drive so is perhaps just to give me a little bit of air um mm-hmm. is, is that something that you could say well it, well wags I think that is actually something that they can build on. If they can get back to getting the, the right amount of touches for uh, for Dylan and Joan and get these tight ends more involved in the pass game, maybe that can start to be the offensive identity that we're looking for.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely a fair, uh, optimistic approach. And I'll also say, and, and uh, this is going to sound like a dig, it's not, Romeo Dobbs is wide open on that fourth down play. He was sliding across the field there, and he I think he walks in the end zone if Aaron delivers the ball to him instead of going to the sideline. Um, so if Aaron – Aaron at his best, always at his best, always, doesn't matter when, is when he spreads that ball around and he doesn't he doesn't drill in on one or two guys. Um, if When he's seeing the field uh, a little bit more um, – his approach is just, it's different. And we've seen him do it as recently as last season when, when Devontae Adams was out, uh, spread the ball around and find a ton of different guys. And this offense looks just dynamic because you don't know where he's going with the football. This year so far, I think that he's had a little bit of a, a concern with, with you know spreading the love uh, at times. Um, so uh, this isn't a dig. It's the optimistic approach is, yeah, starting to work the tight ends in was effective. Uh, Getting a little bit more bounce from the running game will make this offense that much better. And if Aaron then you know feels a little bit more confident and comfortable as the season progresses, finding some of these other guys and letting guys maybe go and try to make a play, then I think this offense has the ability, and I think that Aaron Rodgers absolutely has the ability to make those throws. So we have the talent there. It's just, you know... can can we play within that a little bit more? And that's the big question mark I think we have after five weeks.
1: Yeah. um, Well, you got to play to the strengths that you have and the personnel that you have. Yes. And quite honestly, maybe we're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole with the wide receiver passing game right now. You know, honestly, we might just need to recognize that this, wide receiver passing game may not be what we would hope it would be and it may not get there uh, before the end of this season so let's lean into where we do have some guys that can probably contribute a little bit and while it might not be quite as explosive um it might it's at least an identity that we can build around
0: Um, Thanks. i don't care if it's a tight end or a wide receiver running back that has a 14 yard reception (laughs) it's a 14 yard reception at the end of the day
1: Completely agree. So then, on the defensive side of the ball, Dan, you mentioned that you were a little disappointed in the defensive backs. Um, so where where do they go from here? Because it, they just seem to be out of sync all season, mm-hmm. and so communication like, yeah, too. Yeah. So is it communication? They don't seem to be lined up pre-snap. And ready to go. At times, um, we saw that a little bit again yesterday. Uh, you mentioned some of the guys that you know, some missed tackles, just mm-hmm. not in right, right, not in the right position on the field. Um, quite honestly, um, you know, talent wise, we should be able to overwhelm some of the opposing wide receivers that we've gone against. Haven't haven't really seen that. Guys are just getting open in that soft zone. So, Dane, what, what is it? I, I, do they need to get into more uh, man looks? Do they need to mix up some of their coverages some more and do something to allow these guys to play more aggressively? Because maybe that's a personnel thing, too, that these guys would just more naturally play well in a different coverage or a different um, you know, uh, look than what uh, they're calling out there.
0: Wags, wags. So, I do, Again, I don't mean this as a, a negative. I just wonder, with such a conservative defense being called, especially with our safety play, uh, two guys that have shown that they can fly around the field, right? Um, uh, are they bored? <laughs> I, I hate to say it. Are they a little bored pre-snap because uh, you know they're they're not having the responsibility. Perhaps are being bought into the defense enough to be moving around and doing some of the other things that I think that they uh, have the potential to do. I think that that's a positive for Amos and Savage. I think that they are aggressive guys that want to get after the quarterback. I think they're guys that want to get close to the line of scrimmage at times and show different looks and play man and have that responsibility to say, "Hey, you know, Jair streaking, streaking down and blitzing. I've got to have my guy." And right now. A lot of times, defensively, they're asking them to kind of just play back and not necessarily do the things that I think that they're used to doing. So perhaps um, having them do a little bit more gets a little bit more buy-in. Uh, and I'm not saying they're not bought in. I'm just saying, you know, at a certain point, if your responsibilities are stale week to week and you're playing the zone coverage every week, it's it's just, I don't know, how do you find a fighter to continue to go forward doing that? And I put that on the coaches' uh, backs. I do not put that on the DBs.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, Dean. And, you know, in a way, it's almost like they're playing nine against 11 (laughs) um, because we've got two guys in the back that we're not asking them to do anything. And the other nine guys are talented enough that we figure they'll be able to make the play. Uh, And sometimes it doesn't work out that way, does it? So, um but yeah, we, can, we need to do something to unleash a couple of these guys. We, we've we got way too much talent in the secondary for them to be just sitting back passively and uh, letting uh, letting these uh, offenses have time to pick us apart in, in zone defenses. Like, there's time and a place for zone. When it's third and 12, yeah, let's keep the guys in front of us. And majority of the time, you should be able to um, stop them from getting a first out. Uh, I, I get that. It's not like we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater in terms of the scheme and the covers that they're trying to run. Uh, but I, it's just an attitude thing. It's, yeah. it's, I said it's like Coach Barry. you know, I thought he did an admirable job with a defense that was shorthanded a lot of last year. And it's almost like he thinks he's got the same guys out there this year and we're fully healthy, um, mm-hmm. which is that's, that's what's puzzling to me. It's like they just don't have that, you know, that swagger. Um, it's it just missing. It's like we're just going to come out here and play well, and it's taken it for granted, uh, but there's not an urgency that I've got to be the guy because mm-hmm. maybe to your point they think, well, we've, I've got so much talent around me that someone's going to make a play. I don't necessarily need to. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think maybe this is a from a, a defensive standpoint a get-right game. Um, so I'll be anxious to see how the defense responds uh, in the next couple of weeks.
0: Wags, can we give some love? You mentioned the tight ends on offense, TJ Slayton played phenomenal. Football. A uh, Packers only uh, suited up four defensive linemen yesterday. TJ Slayton being one of them. Our dude. We love this guy, and I thought he was impactful against the run game a number of times, driving blockers uh, into the backfield to, to stop Barkley. Had a couple tackles on Barkley as well. Um, just disruptive there. So as we're looking for reasons for optimism, I wanted to point him out because he played. Great football, and you got to think his snap counts go up after that week. Just played really good ball.
1: Yeah, um, he was getting pushed, and uh, you know he was. You could see him, and that's the thing when when you can see the defensive lineman and impact that he's having. And it wasn't because he was putting himself uh, gambling and putting himself out of position, right. and uh, you know put it getting um, you know guys uh, uh, in a situation where they were getting uh, blocked downfield. He, he was pushing his guys, uh, so I completely yeah. agree with you. And um, So that's, that is one positive development, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Dane, uh, you know, uh, one thing I'll also say is that we had a couple of sacks, and I, I know you mentioned this earlier, uh, that were negated by penalties. So how differently would have the, a couple of those drives been had, had those penalties not happened by Rasul Douglas because – uh, those sacks put them in the, you know, difficult down and distance situation. Maybe the, the giants are punting rather than going down the field and putting points on the board. So, mm-hmm. um, so those, that's something that I will say, even though you can't take it away, um, there are a, a lot of times the way that that game plays out, um, the giants might have ended up uh, not scoring 27 points. Like they were able to as well.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I thought Patrick O'Donnell had another great game as punting, too, for what it's worth. I mean, he's he's looked really good yet again, and I, I, I wish we didn't have to see him so much in the second half, but when he went out there, I thought he performed admirably, so that's another one, and I thought that Shamar John Charles, as well, on kick coverage, he looked, he looked legit. So every week we're seeing a different guy on kick coverage, it seems like, show, and that's really exciting to see.
1: Okay, absolutely. So I, I don't know if that is a good segue into our Leap Spirits Players of the Week game, and even though it's going to be a little bit difficult, I think, to or, uh, pick uh, Players of the Week, we're going to name them anyway. You named uh, some honorable mentions, I think, right yeah. there, so I don't know if they'll, uh, some of those guys will win the nomination here for Players of the Week. But, um, of course, uh, this segment is brought to you by Leap Spirits. And uh, if you can see our screen, you'll see that Leap Spirits has a commemorative Hall of Fame edition bottle um, that is commemorating Leroy Butler, mm-hmm. co-founder of Leap Spirits. So go, go to LeapSpirits.com to <laughs> Excuse me. Find Leaf Spirits in retail stores or restaurants near you. Um, so, Dave, Wags, take uh, a sip of that Leaf Spirits
0: and clear your throat, okay?
1: I was just going to uh, key you <laughs> up uh, so that I can mute myself. And uh, but, can you start us off on the offensive side of the ball? Um, who would be where you're looking at is for potential nominations for Leaf Spirits Player of the Week on the offensive side.
0: I mean, I'd love to go with the running backs. I just don't know if they got the looks. I'm going to go with Robert Tunian. Um, I thought that Robert Tunyon played well as a blocker. Uh, also continued to um, show as a receiver at times uh, when the offense was rolling. It's good to see Robert continue to work his way back in to this offense. Also um, got that big holding defensive pass interference call down the field early in the game uh, against him so I mean he made an impact on this offense throughout the game not just in the box score but also with that pass interference call on the defender draped on him so I'm going to go with uh, Robert Tunyon's going to be my nominee on offense.
1: Okay, well, I'm not going to overrule you, but I'm just going to throw out there, as much as I said I don't like Randall Cobb getting 13 targets, to me Fair. he was by far the the most impactful player on the offensive Fair. side of the ball yesterday. Um, Robert Toney had a fine game, but I think um, well, the work that Randall Cobb did was like vintage 2015 Randall Cobb yesterday, so I sure hope we don't have to rely on him. I stand by that to that extent. But um, he had a great performance, so I don't want to take anything away from him. Um, so, I, I mean, to me, he was the guy that really stood out. Um, and let's, let's go with him then. I, I think
0: that's yeah. that's totally legit. I mean, he almost had 100 yards receiving. We're going to go. I think that's a great call. Leap Spirit's a uh, uh, big cheese player of week five. I think uh can definitely be Randall Cobb. Um, and defensively, I'm curious, you know, let's flip over to the defensive side. Um, and why don't you go first? Um, who stuck out to you on this defense as maybe uh, deserving a little bit of accolade?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it was good. <laughs> this was a little bit harder for me yeah. because, you know, it just didn't seem like we did anything outstanding against their run game. It was. Okay. Um, as you said, the pressure was all right, but we only ended up getting one sack, um, and the uh, I, the pass defense was was uh, disappointing, uh, quite honestly, uh, based on what we were facing. So, um, you mentioned, uh, I think uh, T.J. Slayton as a guy, and I mean, I honestly, if you're talking about someone that came in and went above and beyond expectations in terms of in an in individual performance i think he's as good of a nomination yeah. as anyone from yesterday um i thought kenny clark just kind of does did what kenny clark does uh, and sometimes he gets a little bit um i think uh, overlooked uh, because he's not going to put up you know 10 tackles or, or the, the box score statistics um, and, and it's harder to quantify to some extent what those interior defensive linemen do but between Kenny Clark and TJ Slayton I, I thought the two of them both had uh, fine performances again yesterday unfortunately the sum of the parts around them just didn't seem to rise to the occasion.
0: Wags, I agree, but let's go with TJ Slayton as our Leaf Spirits defensive player of Week 5. I thought that he played a really good football game, as you mentioned. He made the most out of his snaps, and if we're looking for a young guy to continue to build upon as this year progresses... TJ, you know, I think is rightfully so deserves it. It's fun to watch him progress. It was a big moment for him, even though the defense as a whole didn't stand up the entire game. TJ Slayton played great ball. So I think let's go with TJ Slayton as our Leaf spirits defensive player of week five.
1: Yeah, and I think we've got a comment here from John Doran saying that Wyatt uh, got got to get more playing time. I mean, he was hurt, so he, he was, hurt was in last, last week yesterday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does beg the question. I think one thing before we sign off here, uh, Dane is: um, I, is there a chance that we see? Some going back to the accountability question that some of these uh, veterans that are quite honestly not getting the job done consistently might start to lose some of their opportunities. Um, and I'm not naming one particular player and one position, particular position group, uh, but uh, it seems like. There's, you know, there just is a malaise. And so mm-hmm. I'm looking for, from an accountability standpoint, if we've got some guys that are hungrier and can get out there and, and bring a little bit of swagger, uh, maybe it's time to give them some opportunities as well. We'll um, see how so they T.J. react. T.J. Slayton, yeah. Mm-hmm. So TJ Slayton could be one of those guys. And perhaps if Devontae Wyatt gets healthy and shows that he's ready to get a few extra snaps, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing if he fits into that category as well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, Wags. It's going to be, where do they go from here? And this is uh, everybody, every man uh, needs to, to you know, look in the mirror, I think, and coaching staff included, right? Uh, maybe especially the coaching staff in some instances. It's time for them to step up and come up with a better game plan because the NFL is unrelenting, and they've got a, a, a date with the New York J- uh, Jets at home at Lambeau Field next week.
1: Absolutely. So we'll be back on Thursday evening to preview that one. And uh, I think uh, we've done a pretty nice job of recapping and hopefully putting this one in the rearview mirror. But um, certainly there's a lot that we're going to be, I think, I think this will be kind of a pivotal game in in the season where we look back and said, was that a turning point or was this just kind of a, a sign? of what this team is. And I sure hope that this is a turning point, uh, not a sign of of what this team is and will be uh, as we move forward. So um, thanks so much folks for joining us this evening. Really appreciate it. Um, And as always be legendary and go pack. Go pack. Go. Every year I know we gonna go hard. We been that team ever since Bart Starr All my cheese heads go, pack go. Ain't show sure with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't the best sport and I'll either wish you good luck. Only thing I will say.